1: Well, I could tell you guys about Scott's excellent buttermilk chicken. And then I argued with his husband about local politics. Yeah, (laughs) I stayed out of that, man.
0: I was doing the dishes. (laughs) This is Political Breakdown from KQED in San Francisco. I'm Scott Schaefer. Today on The Breakdown, our Friday look at some of the top stories bubbling up in the world of politics this week, including new fundraising totals in the U.S. Senate race, showing Adam Schiff with a huge money advantage over fellow Democrats Katie Porter and Barbara Lee, along with Republican Steve Garvey. Plus, does the GOP have a Taylor Swift problem? They sure do seem obsessed with her and her romantic relationship with Kansas City Chiefs football star Travis Kelsey will dig into some dubious conspiracy theories about them before next weekend's Super Bowl. And joining me today, as they do most Fridays, KQED's Marisa Lagos and Guy Marzarati. Hey, you two. Hey. Hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Well, let's start with that Senate seat and some of the money, the battle for that uh, race. That race is really heating up. We got some uh, money numbers this week. The ballots are arriving next week. Let's look at the money a little bit here. Let's look on ca- cash on hand is really the big number because that tells you how many resources they have going into these final weeks. And in that regard, you know, Adam Schiff, he- he's got Head and shoulders 35 enough. million dollars. That is twice as much as the others combined. Katie Porter coming in second with about 13 million. Barbara Lee from Oakland, less than a million. And then Steve Garvey. Batting cleanup uh, with about $308,000. So I guess it, you would not unexpected, Marisa, but you know, that is really uh, a big advantage for him. And he's already, his name ID is already pretty high too.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we saw this coming into this year where I think in the last uh, campaign finance reports, he had more cash on hand than the president's campaign did. Now, of course, asterisks, asterisks, but it, It does just show you he is a prolific fundraiser. He has gotten a lot of support from other members of Congress um, who may be helping him. Including Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, one number that stuck out to me in some of this coverage was that He's spending about thirteen million dollars on ad buys right now. I think uh, maybe is a TV or digital, Uh, which is the same amount Katie Porter has on hand. So, a just in general, if you're going to be watching, say the Super Bowl, expect to see I would imagine in California some of these uh, ads popping up.
0: Absolutely, and I think there was one even in the uh, conference championship uh, last weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And of course, you know, a guy we covered Katie Porter's races down in Orange County. She spent. $29 Twenty-nine million dollars, just getting re-elected in the last cycle, and that really drained her resources. So, it kind of put her at a, you know, at a disadvantage going into this race. It did.
2: She had to make that kind of late push to hold off Scott Baugh um, and and tap a lot of these resources. But can we talk about Steve Garvey? I mean, <laughs> we've been we've been waiting to see these financial numbers because for a lot of months at the end of twenty twenty three, it was like, what is Steve Garvey doing? He's not right, out campaigning. So the, the theory money. was he was out raising money, and then you look at these numbers and. Yeah. What was it all for? I think this really goes back to something that's evolved over a number of years, which is the uh, kind of falling apart of the financial base of Republican candidates in California. I wrote about this back in 2018 with the governor's race, where you saw a lot of the big donors who supported Meg Whitman when she ran against Jerry Brown, supporting Gavin Newsom, Antonio Villaraigosa by 2018, because you you ended up in a situation where these corporations felt like there was no longer a point to be supporting Republicans they felt like look let's at least maybe get in the good graces of who whoever is going to eventually win the seat and so you now end up in a situation where it might only be a self-funding candidate who can actually be financially uh, competitive on the Republican side because you just don't have that same base anymore Well
0: one caveat I would say is there is still a lot of money in California for Republicans I mean and I think California is the biggest source of donations for Donald Trump Kevin McCarthy but hugely they're not looking at state office right so, no yeah. exactly and I think that's the point is that they haven't won a statewide race since 2006 so why put a lot of money i mean i think even if garvey manages to get into the november runoff with adam schiff i mean he's not going to raise money i mean why would you give money to somebody who's very very unlikely to to win in right november? and
1: like let's be clear ballots are going out now so his campaign is saying well we did much better since that filing period ended in this first month of 2024 cool, you better start spending that money then because, you know, voters are going to be making this decision really in the next couple of weeks, which I think, you know, leads us to Barbara Lee. And we've known since the beginning of this race that it would be more difficult for her to raise money. It is unfortunately the reality, especially for women of color. Um, And I think in general, you know, she is doing well on the campaign trail when she's out there, but she just doesn't have the funds to put her name, you know, on these TV ads, on these digital ads that honestly, like every time I turn on my computer or TV, I'm seeing Katie Porter and Adam Schiff.
0: Yeah. And I remember when she jumped in, she said, look, I, it's not that I haven't been able to raise money for myself. I've been raising money for other candidates and other causes. Now I can raise it for myself, but that really just hasn't translated guy. We haven't. uh, And some of those are some of the, you know, those are sort of structural barriers and problems that women generally, but especially women of color have. But, you know, you have to wonder, some people are just good at asking people for money Mm -hmm. also. And some, you know, some are better than others. And, you know, it may just not be one of her strengths.
2: Right. Everything Marisa said was spot on. I'll add on to that. Again, Lee has not run competitive elections in the way Katie Porter has and has had not had that incentive to need to fundraise on her own behalf. And then I'll go back to the, you know, competitiveness angle of this. These kind of donors are not looking to put money towards folks who they don't think are going to win. And someone like Barbara Lee, who from the beginning, the base of voters she's trying to draw on is just smaller than what you're going to need to win a statewide campaign. And I think that might have, you know, for a lot of donors might feel like, okay. why, why should I throw my support behind her at this stage? When there's date?
1: two other fairly progressive Democrats in this race. And again, I think we do have to go back. Both Schiff and Porter have been very good at earned media over their time in Congress, right? Schiff, because of his role on the impeachment trial, uh, the first one of President, former President Donald Trump, Katie Porter, her whiteboard. I mean, they're both kind of MSNBC favorites. Um, but, and I, I just, we, we've got to talk about this. You know, we saw former Senator Barbara Boxer, a really sort of huge name in California politics, come off the sidelines this week. And and say she is going to support Schiff. She had said, I'm not going to make an endorsement before. And gave through an elbow at Katie Porter. Porter. And then we saw this big L.A. Times story come out this week kind of just about the fact that Porter, I think, came in, ran as an outsider, has really sort of burnished that populist kind of consumer advocate credentials often at the price of her relationships with other members of Congress. She wants to, you know, ban stock trades, do a lot of things that's not very popular.
0: Yeah. And well, and she's, she's the only of those three Democrats. She's her web page is the only one that doesn't have an endorsements list. Mm-hmm. At the mm-hmm. very, that's not what she's. Yeah, she, that's but, I mean, not her this, strength. This, it,
2: di- this dynamic is tied to what we're talking about with the fundraising, though, because Boxer's uh, endorsement came on the heels of this really interesting dynamic of Adam Schiff, including. Steve Garvey in a campaign ad, basically trying to play with this top two system and, and prop him up.
0: Two leading candidates for Senate, two very different visions for California. Steve Garvey, the leading Republican, is too conservative for California. He voted for Trump twice and supported Republicans for years, including far right conservatives. Adam Schiff, the leading Democrat, defended democracy against Trump and the insurrectionists. Yeah. And Guy, I got to give you a hat tip. You saw this one come in. This is a, a play that Gavin Newsom pulled against uh, John Cox, like really sending a signal to Republicans. Hey, he's your guy. the And we've the seen Trump Democrats eat.
1: do this in other states, Oh, yeah. Too.
0: Look, this is the obvious play. Schiff would much rather
2: face Steve Garvey in the general election, right? He looks at a situation which Steve Garvey can't really afford to put his own message up there statewide. So Schiff is doing it for him. And yes, Mm -hmm. we've seen this debate among Democrats like, is this a good idea? You hear some people say like, oh, well, you're elevating someone whose positions you disagree with and you're helping them get one step closer to being a U.S. senator. On the flip side, this is politics. The goal is to win. And I think Schiff elevating a candidate like Garvey is is something that ultimately will, will
0: help him in a general election. We're going to take a short break. We're going to continue the conversation. When we come back, you're listening to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. We will be right back.
2: Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast.
0: That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. Scott Schaefer here with Guy Marzorati and Marisa Lagos talking about all things politics. This past week, we were talking before the break about uh, this ad that uh, Schiff is running, uh, going after Steve Garvey, the Republican in the race, really Propping him up. Um, And, you know, it's funny because this is obviously a gift to the Garvey campaign, but you had his campaign saying it was a cynical and brazen attempt to drag him down, which is like not clear on the concept.
1: No, I mean, and then this also comes as we've seen uh, some digging in the L.A. Times. We should mention a big story this week um, about sort of whether you know, he taught essentially saying he touts family values um, but then detailing how he really doesn't have a relationship with several of his seven children, um, has been estranged from them, that they feel really abandoned. Um, And this is I mean, this is like an L.A. Times special, I will say. Right. This is the type of story. They broke the story
0: about Schwarzenegger and his baby with the uh, with the housekeeper
1: yeah and I just think we often see these types of like deep dives into somebody's sort of personal past and it makes a lot of sense when you have someone like him who yes has been in the limelight in some ways for a long time but no one's been talking about this stuff for a while yeah and he had
0: he's always cultivated a relationship as kind of all-American boy and it, it's not just that he doesn't get along with his kids I think a lot of parents don't have the best relationship these are two of these are kids that he had with women who he got pregnant and then never took responsibility or accountability financial or otherwise and then the other There was a, you know, a a daughter from his first marriage who he just stopped, you know, talking to. Well, I mean, in one
2: way, I think this shows why maybe Garvey took so long to get into politics, because this this reporting was out there actually in the L.A. Times, uh, you know, back in the 80s. At that time, after Garvey had hung up his cleats, there was a lot of talk like, oh, maybe he's going to run for U.S. Senate in 1992. This all came out added with, you know, some financial problems that he had may have been the reason why he kind of put that all on ice. For decades, or maybe the fact that we, you know, we've had a couple presidents since, the, since then who've uh, philandered a bit. So maybe he felt like this is
0: all, <laughs> it's all uh, a little
1: different than it yeah. was. Well, you know, years on ago. the other hand,
0: Ronald Reagan, you know, kind of famously did not have great relations with his kids. Uh, for you know, not because he abandoned them, but he was just remote and you know more into Nancy uh, Reagan and so on. But so I don't know how much of a of a big deal it is in terms of turning off Republican voters who he needs to get into the runoff. But it'll be interesting and fun to see how he handles it in the next debate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean or if he game. does a press conference ever or talks to more reporters. <laughs> um, I do want to just loop back real quick to the Katie Porter stuff. And, and, you know, the LA Times also had a really deep dive on her and kind of looking at some of these relationships. I mean, kind of looking at her personality and, and what's driven her, but also hitting on this issue of, like, the fact that Schiff has basically almost the entire, you know, Democratic congressional delegation. And I just think it is this interesting question. I mean, she is running as an outsider. And, you know, she has sort of continue to burnish that even as a member of Congress. I do think there's voters that will be receptive to that, that don't trust, you know, members of Congress, that think that the system is sort of, you know, rigged against them and like the idea of someone shaking it up. But I think it it may not be as easy to make that case in the next couple of weeks mm. as it would be in a longer campaign.
2: Well, I mean, it's a fascinating paradox because this is what makes Katie Porter so valuable to the Democratic Party. Right. It's what you know led to her rise in Orange County where voters saw her as, yes, a Democrat, yes, a progressive, but someone who's kind of going after the establishment. But you can't look at what Barbara Boxer said this week, which was not only we said she endorsed Adam Schiff. She also said, "I want Barbara Lee in the second spot." It was basically like an unendorsement <laughs> of totally. Katie Porter. Anybody but her. Anybody—that's not an accident. When you have Katie Porter in debates saying, "I'm," you know, going after quote-unquote career politicians, going after you know the results in Los Angeles and Oakland. Well, and she uh,
1: really bristled at the fact that Porter essentially said that Schiff was taking dirty money by taking corporate PAC money, and mentioned that you know it, Porter was happy to take Schiff's contr- contributions when she was running for Congress. Well, and
0: let's not forget. That, you know, Barbara Boxer, after she left the Senate, also became a consultant, a lobbyist, you know, took money from, you know, probably some questionable sources as well, which is totally legal. Uh, but nonetheless, I think they don't like getting, you know, sort of dragged into that uh, into that bucket. All right. We got to talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, the star tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's in the Super Bowl next weekend and she'll be there probably watching. Um, and this has just sent the right bonkers. Uh, You know, Travis Kelsey, he's kind of a pro-vaccine guy. He's done commercials for that. Travis uh, Kelsey also, you know, dating her for a while. And she is like, what, a billionaire and a successful, strong woman. And
1: very popular. And extremely popular. lines. Yeah.
0: And country, you know, country music roots. uh, And yet she's being sort of threatened or warned by Fox.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's always a hard line. We don't want to, like, be spreading conspiracy theories. But some of these are just so ridiculous. I do think we should talk about like this idea that she's a george soros plant that the entire sort of chiefs getting into the super bowl was a conspiracy um that is all going to help sort of biden get votes that the whole thing's a psyop essentially i mean if you're if you know what that means you're terminally online and and there's other things but i just think that this also gets to i mean some of this is like I think, you know, it's coming from the more fringe sort of elements of Trump space and the MAGA movement. On the other hand, this is part of a sort of long history within the Trump campaign and that movement of being pretty misogynistic. And if you look at polling, you know... Biden has been struggling, but the latest polling is showing a, a growing gender gap. Um, and I think you have to take it also in concert with Eugene Carroll, uh, huge defamation you know, case that just got uh, a $83 million verdict against Trump. Now her lawyer saying that Trump called her a derogatory name. I mean, I just it, it makes you wonder sort of what the play is here, because it feels like They're kind of skating on thin ice.
2: Also, riddle me this: all the you know conservatives who are upset with Kelsey uh, Taylor Swift, who are they going to vote? Who are they going to support on February 11th in the Super Bowl? The team with SF on their (laughs) (laughs) helmet. That's right, the Hell'scape.
1: And you just couldn't get more all American than this. Yeah. this couple right Absolutely. i mean it's wild well, well
0: rich lowry who's you know a republican editor of the national review wrote it's the cheerleader dating the high school quarterback it's traditional femininity meets traditional masculinity it's the pinnacle of success now you can you know quibble with that but the point is it just looks a little weird i think to people who aren't really hyper political but who like taylor swift as many 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 people do to see this like Going down this rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, it's wild. And it just speaks to sort of where our politics are. And um, yeah, I mean, I, we should say Taylor Swift did endorse Joe Biden in 2020. Uh, you know, stands to reason she might do that again. Apparently, the yeah. Biden campaign's getting a lot of pressure around that. So uh, stay tuned, stay I suppose. Tuned. But I mean, just again, like this is uh, her tour, like change the economy, this (laughs) world tour she's been on. Um, And yeah, every 10 year old girl in America is rooting for her. Absolutely. If no one else.
0: So uh, as we get to the end here, we do want to mention Nancy Pelosi, who has been, uh, you know, involved in a couple of things uh, that uh, I wouldn't say, you know, conspiracy theory, but she said on CNN that she would like the FBI to investigate some of the pro-Palestinian protesters, saying that they're tools of Russia, um and then there was a, a video that uh, appeared this week she was in her driveway confronting somebody from Code Pink which is an anti-war group they were you know in her driveway it happened to be the 1 year anniversary uh, of her of the break into her house when her husband was like savagely attacked and you know she says go back to China where your headquarters is. And I think we first heard about that, Marisa, and we felt like, what is she talking about? Like, that just sounds a little weird. But in fact, the New York Times has done some digging on Code Pink and some other groups funded by uh, a pretty, you know, I would say shadowy guy.
1: Yeah, I I will say, like, still not a good look what happened. I think, and in both cases, it just, because this is such a divisive issue, and so many people really do feel so strongly that have no ties to Russia or China, right, about what's happening in Gaza, and this is what these protests are about. But, you Yeah, this wild reporting from last August that really dug into one of the co-founders of Code Pink, which is, of course, this anti-war group that, you know, came uh, into existence around 2001 um, and his ties to the Chinese government and just the sense that like they have really Code Pink has sort of shifted its uh, rhetoric around China, what's happening to the Uyghurs there, these internment camps to really defend the Chinese government in ways that are seem very antithetical to what Code Pink has always stood for. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's more to dig into on that and and maybe we'll do it on this show. But it is a crazy story and very weird sort of set of bedfellows.
2: Let me just say, though, Pelosi saying that the ceasefire protests connected to Russia and that their financing should be investigated by the FBI. That is a monumental claim. I mean, that seems like something that needs to be backed up with evidence. And especially if you're talking about, you know, the very dark history of the FBI investigating, (laughs) infiltrating progressive groups in America. I'm serious. That feels like a demand that should be backed up with something.
0: But to your point, Marisa, I mean, there are a lot of very legitimate, irrespective of whatever, wherever some of them may be tied to, that, uh, you know, these are really heartfelt positions, very passionate. I do kind of, you know, question people standing in the driveways of uh, Mm -hmm. of folks who are elected officials. I think they're, you know, they, no matter who you are, what your politics are, you are entitled, I think, to a little bit of privacy.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned this was on the one year anniversary of her husband being attacked. I mean, to me, when I watched that video, it really just spoke to like, Everybody snaps at a certain point, Um, but you—we're not all Nancy Pelosi, right? And when she speaks, people listen, and it does have weight. And I do think, yeah, to throw out both of those sort of accusations, um, it just feels a little sloppy and like not in concert with how she usually comports herself. Yeah,
0: she's usually much more strategic and like thoughtful about things that she says. All right, well, I think that's gonna do it. Uh, Have anybody have any like weekend plans you want to share?
1: Kids sports, man. That's all I do.
0: Yeah. I'm hoping to play pickleball, but I don't know the weather forecast. Not promising. How about you, Guy? Go Warriors. All right. Well, have a great weekend, you two. You too. Take care. That is a wrap for Friday, February 2nd. Political Breakdown is a production of KQED. Our engineer is Jim Bennett. Our producer is Izzy Bloom. Our team includes Marisa Lagos, Guy Marzorati, Molly Solomon, Otis R. Taylor Jr., and Ethan Tovin Lindsay. I'm Scott Schaefer. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all have a great weekend.